Hello, welcome to my channel. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for your likes and your comments. Thank you for coming this way today. I'm going to be talking about the better order according to the Bible. Yes, the Bible is key to understanding all better order positions. Specifically, the biblical account of creation is key to understanding all human beings living on the face of the earth. There are seven kinds of persons living on earth today. And you have a pattern for them in the biblical creation account. I know that psychologists in talking about birth order talk about the first child, the middle child, and the last child. The question is, in a family of eight, who is the middle child? Yeah, the first child position is clear. The last child position is clear. So where does, who is the middle child? If the family is three, if there are three siblings, we know the, the middle child is the second one. If there are four, who is the middle child? If there are five, who is the middle child? So the Bible makes it a lot clearer for us. Although you would not see this subject as I am describing it, but we have patterns, we have keys. The creation account is the key to understanding so many things happening on earth, all seasons, whether the seasons of human beings and the seasons of the yearly seasons. So there are seven kinds of persons living on earth, and the creation account is the key to understanding those persons and what it does is that it gives it looks at each person you know by his or her position all right so the first child is a first day of creation person the second child is a second day of creation person the third child is a third day of creation person the fourth child is a fourth day of creation person so the fifth child the sixth child and then the seventh child. So what about the eighth child? What about the ninth child? What about the tenth child and all that? So in a family of eight, you have to go over again. The eighth child um, is a first day of creation person. The ninth child is a second day of creation person. The tenth child is a third day of creation person. Now, are we trying to say there is no difference between the first child and the eighth child or the second child and the ninth child or the third child and the tenth child? No. It's not just that you use the creation narrative. Um, the, in trying to understand the first child, you need to look at the creation, uh, the first day of creation narrative, the first book of the Bible, and the first chapters of the Bible. So, but when you're looking at the eight born, you look at the first 
day of creation because the eight is the first and the second seven. So the first day of creation. But now you need to support with the eight book of the Bible and the eight chapters of the Bible. So that's where the difference comes. That's how you can distinguish between the firstborn and the eightborn. So the same thing happens with the secondborn. When you are dealing with the ninthborn, you look at the second day of creation, the ninth book of the Bible, and the nine chapters of the Bible. So you just see that there are differences in this. Now, when we start discussing them, you also see that even among the firstborn, you have different kinds of firstborn, but they have some very unique characteristics. You know, you know, this is, this is a firstborn, but there might be just variations here and there. Now, let's try to say something about the firstborn. The first thing to start looking at is definition. Who is a firstborn? Who is a firstborn? Who is the firstborn? The firstborn is, is, is just, is, the firstborn is the first. But if a man has four wives, he will say, my firstborn is the first baby that cried in this house, in this family. So, but the woman is, the firstborn is the one that opens the womb. So the firstborn for the man might be different from the woman's firstborn. It's important that we know that. Let's look at the Bible story. Jacob had four women that gave birth for him. Who is his firstborn? When he was blessing his children, he said, Reuben, you are my firstborn. Because that was the first baby he had. That was the first child he had, Reuben. But you know that each of the women also had firstborns. Joseph was a firstborn for Rachel. Reuben was a firstborn for Leah. And so each of the women had their own firstborn. And the Bible talks about that which opens the womb. That which opens the womb, that's what's unique. So the firstborn is the child that opens the womb. So it's a lot easier to discuss the firstborn um, from the side of the mother, that which opens the womb. Because that's the key, that which opens the womb. So if a man has, has 20 wives and has children from all of them, so it's likely he has 20 firstborns, but, you know, he only thinks about one. But when you are talking about inheritance that belongs to the firstborn, you only look at that from the father's side. So a man's firstborn is his successor. But if he has many wives, the firstborn of those women are all firstborns. If you look into their lives, you're going to see that they act like firstborns. So that's the first thing that we need to understand about the firstborn. Now, when we... Try to understand better other positions from the Bible. We're not just trying to look at their behaviors. You want to understand the purpose. The purpose. What is, why is this person first? So we're not just looking at their behavior or trying to see how they behave and all that. It's about purpose. It's also about behavior. So there is a reason the first is first. There is a reason the second is second. There's a reason... The third is third. Every birth order position has its purpose. 
So it didn't just happen that one person is third, another person is fourth, another person is fifth in the family, another person is first, another one is second. Each child comes with a purpose. You know, Paul, Apostle Paul talks about, you know, God who separated me from my mother's womb. The womb is a factory where children are made. That's where they're designed. That's where things happen. God speaking about Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in a mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I, I sanctified you, and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nation. It's all about what's happening in the womb. That's where children are made. That's where babies are made. That's where the design is. That's where things happen. So the womb is something very powerful. When God was speaking to Rebecca, he said, two nations are in your womb. He didn't say to Isaac, you have two nations inside you. He said, he so told Rebecca, two nations are in your womb. So it's in the womb that is this, this formation takes place. That's why when we discuss birth order, it's better to discuss birth order from the angle of, from the, you know, angle of the woman because she has the womb where these children are made. So it's the order in which they come from the womb. That's what's important. You know, God will be talking to, you know, the children of Israel. He said, that which opens the womb, whether it is man or beast, that which opens the womb. So the order in which children come out of the womb, that is what really is the defining thing, you know, when it comes to birth other positions. So, um, in talking about the firstborn, it's important to know what is the purpose of the firstborn. What is the reason someone is born first and not third? What is the ordination? What is it? You know, it's about ordination. It's about the path that you have to walk. But let's look at the ordination. Why is someone born first? Now, firstborns are natural leaders. So once a child is born first, is an announcement that a leader has come. The successor of the parent has come. This is a leader. And that's where many times parents miss it. And many times you see that parents struggle with the firstborn because the father wants to go this way, the second, the firstborn wants to go the other. And say, no, you can't do that. You are my firstborn. You have to follow my footsteps and all that. No, 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 no. The firstborn is a leader and has to be raised like a leader, not like a follower. It's not a bad thing when the firstborn chooses to go in another direction. The father should raise the firstborn as a leader, not just as a follower, because the firstborn is a natural leader. The one who formed that firstborn in the womb said, you go first. You are the opener of the womb. You open the way. You go first. You, you trace, you, you, you know, you are a trailblazer. You go, you go ahead. You lead. So the firstborn is uh, a natural leader. The firstborn expresses light. Let there be light. Light is the firstborn of God. Like Jesus is called the light of the world. The firstborn is light. Let there be light. 
And that's part of the reason, you know, when we look at how the firstborn should live, the firstborn should have nothing to do with falsehood or with deception or speaking lies and all that. Light is truth. Light is knowledge. Light is righteousness. Light is everything good, you know. So many firstborns are very frank and don't know how to, you know, cover up anything because light reveals. Firstborns are swift responders. Swift responders. Let there be light. And there was light. If you want to do something and you are discussing with a firstborn, I want to do something. If you're not careful before you finish, he's already started doing it. You know, because the moment I want to do something, what is in his mind is, or her mind is, when are we doing it? Let there be light. No delay. There was light. So if you want to talk to a firstborn, I want to do something, you better communicate when you want it. You may discover that before you finish, he has started doing the thing. Because they are born to be swift responders. They are born to be swift responders. Firstborns are also born to be challengers, to challenge the status quo. That's what creates problems most of the times where the parent and the firstborn are, because the firstborn has come to challenge the status quo. So things don't have to be this way. In some, in some cases, the firstborn might even be pointing out the errors that the father is committing. Say, I mean, it's like, this is the way I would do it. The father said, no, this is my house. We have to do it this way, and all that. So, um, you, the firstborn is a challenge is a status quo. Is a risk taker. It's risky to be the first coming out of the womb. What does it look like? But you're just pushing her head to go. That's how God wants uh, firstborns to be. To be risk takers. To be the first in anything is a risk. So firstborns are born to take risks, has to open the door, to go ahead, to go where nobody has gone. That's what it, it ought to be. I think one of the one of the uh, the space astronauts, the first there was one trip that the you know Americans made to the space. It's amazing that seven of the astronauts were all firstborns. All firstborns, <laughs> because it's like there's something in the firstborn is that it's you want to go where others have not gone. When you see fear in a firstborn, it's not supposed to be. It's something that needs to be dealt with, and that's how parents should raise firstborns to be bold, to be daring, to you know move ahead, to adventure, to push ahead, not pulling them back. Um, so firstborns are risk takers. And, um, and sometimes, because they are born to be leaders, um, firstborns are afraid of losing control. Losing control. You know, you know that you are the first. And now you have a second child. You have a second brother. You have another one. You have five brothers or uh, six coming behind you. And there is the inward fear, especially in places like Africa. You want to be sure that your place is secure. 
And so you see that in the first look at the, the Cain. When his offering was not accepted, he felt insecure. I'm going to kill my brother. Look at King Saul, the first king of Israel. When, you know, people sang about David, he wanted to destroy him. So it is, it is something that parents can handle in raising firstborns to be sure that the fear and insecurity is not there. The fact that you have others, you know, doesn't mean you are losing your position. And then, you know, really, you know, <laughs> uh, the Bible could make it worse when it says the first shall become the last. So the first one says, no, 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 I don't want to lose my position. I don't want to miss anything. You know, you got Esau wanted to kill David because, I mean, kill Jacob because he felt my position is threatened. So, Presence must work against work to protect that in the heart of the firstborn. And many firstborns are cold to criticisms. Cold to criticism because you know they learn. Parents, the strength of the firstborn is to be affirmed, not criticism. Jesus said, My father loves me and he shows me everything. I can do nothing without my father. So when you look at the, the, the rapport, the relationship between the father and the son, Jesus Christ, you see what the first, what ought to be between the parent and the firstborn. But many times, especially in our part of the world, where the firstborn has a lot of criticisms. Can't you see the way your younger brother is doing? Can't you see the way your younger sister is doing? Don't you know you are the first? Don't you know you are the you Keep playing. Your younger brother will come and pass you. And we say all kinds of things and all this go to demoralize the firstborn. The firstborn does not do well with prison, but does a lot better with affirmation with appreciation with appreciation you know understand that they have no other child to learn from you know and the 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 examples that the parents set are so far ahead the standard is so high but you see when a second child comes the second child starts learning from the first you know the third starts learning but you see when a first child comes you have parents to learn from and what they are doing you can't get there so there's a lot that the first child suffers that parents don't even know about. And so we need to be a little, a little more uh, sympathetic. So the first child suffers most from the inexperience of parents because parents are also having their first experience at having a child. And so the child has to suffer. You know, they use a the child for experiment and uh, a lot of firstborns, you know, have problems. A lot of firstborns have problems with their parents. Firstborn sons have problems with their fathers, and firstborn daughters have problems with their mothers because of the pressure that parents put on them, and this uh, goes to discourage them a lot. The first child sacrifices more than every other person. God is a leader. At a very young age, you start you know, bathing your younger ones, you start taking them to school, you start doing all that, you start carrying, you know, you just worn your shoe for six months, you have to leave, you say, give it to your younger brother, give it to your younger sister, don't you know you are the senior and all that. You just start sacrificing from a very little age. And that's, you know, although, you know, the firstborn may have to cry about it, but that's the, that's where the leader is being formed. The leader is formed, 
you know, you are growing up, you're going to be the carrier, you're going to be the one going ahead, and these ones are following. So firstborns, they suffer a lot, but it goes into building up the leadership, you know, strength that should be in, in them. <clears throat> so the firstborn is an either or person. When God said, let there be light, it's either you are light or you are with darkness. He separated, <laughs> he separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day and the darkness he called the night. So firstborns, when you are dealing with firstborns, there are no middle ground. It's either you are here or you are there. It's either this thing is old or you, and useless and needs to be thrown away or it's still good. There is no middle ground. So when you communicate with them and when you relate with them, this helps to understand them because they are mostly either or person. There is no middle ground. You're either here or there. They want you to take a stand that they also want to take a stand. So when you see a firstborn who can't take a stand, that is something that needs to be corrected. That's something that needs to be dealt, you know, that's something that needs to be fixed. Now, um, in our part of the world, many times people speak about the speak derogatorily about the firstborn. And in church, you will even hear people say, we want to cast out the spirit of the firstborn. There is nothing called the spirit of the firstborn. It's not a bad thing to, you know, be a firstborn. Yeah, there are challenges. Every bet other position has its challenges. But, you know, because the firstborn is mentioned mostly in the Bible, so we only are familiar with the firstborn. We just keep talking about the firstborn. Secondborns have their challenges. Thirdborn have their challenges. And it's like that. Every better position has its own challenge. So the firstborns have their challenges. Every firstborn is at war with darkness, with the spirit of darkness. When God said, let there be light, it was because of darkness. So sometimes, you know, spiritually, because God is interested in the firstborn. He said, the first belongs to me. So the same way, the kingdom of darkness also wants claim. It is an honorable thing to be a firstborn. There is no best other position that God defends in the Bible like the firstborn. He says, I think in Deuteronomy chapter 24 or something like that, he says if a, a man has more than you know, one wife and he loves, the, the, he doesn't like the first wife, but the first wife has a son. He says you shall not take the right of the firstborn and give it to another child. God defends the position of the firstborn. He said the first is mine. He said you shall give to the first a double portion. The first has a right. So God is interested in the firstborn. When he was going to attack Egyptians, he killed the firstborn. He didn't look for firstborn or, or thirdborn or, or secondborn or, or lastborn. He looked for the firstborn. If there is nothing about the firstborn, God will not kill the firstborn of Egyptians. And God will not come back to claim the firstborn. Nobody makes sacrifice with the, with the, uh, uh, the thirdborn of a sheep. Or He's the first, the one that opens the womb. That's what God wants. God is first and the first belongs to him. So that's the honorable position that the first child occupies. But the kingdom of darkness is also interested in that position to claim the first child. So fights the first child with deception and with confusion, with error, with mistakes. Wants the first child to make mistakes. That's what darkness does. Darkness does not kill, but it can confuse, it can frustrate. So it throws Confusion 
He throws deception. When the first man came into the world, the deceiver went after him. That's the spirit of that. Darkness deceives. When Reuben came, he committed the error of trying to sleep with his father's concubine. When there is light, you, don't, you, you make fewer mistakes. Cain came. You know, he got so angry with his brother and killed him. So this kingdom of darkness is out to, to capture the firstborn. That's the reason for the confusion that many firstborns experience, and that's it. So those who love firstborns need to pray and, you know, pray that they'll have clarity of thought, they, you know, that they, they don't, the kingdom of darkness does not, you know, uh, war against them. So you see, the enemy comes after the first. The trials and temptations that firstborns face, no other child faces because the firstborn position is, is a high calling before God, is, is, is a powerful place to be. It's a very sensitive position. So the enemy is out for that position too. So that's what happens. The kingdom of darkness also fights the firstborn with delay. 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 Why do you think barrenness happens? Barrenness does not want the first child to be born. So when a couple, you know, wait for years and the child is not coming, it's the first child that is being hindered. Many times you discover that once a woman has a first child, it's not difficult for the other ones to come. Hannah was barren, but as soon as she had Samuel, the womb opened and then other children began to come. So who was actually being hindered? It was the first. So the enemy fights with confusion, fights with deception, and fights with stumbling to see that the firstborn does not prosper. See, what you are dealing with has so much to do with what you came to do. Why was death pursuing Jesus up and down? Because Jesus came to destroy him that has the power of death. Why, was, why did Abraham battle with barrenness? Because he came to be the father of multitude. So when a man comes into this world with the nature of light, Darkness knows what they will suffer when this man comes to life. So the spirit of darkness, the kingdom of darkness will be all out to see that this light does not manifest. God is light. And so what part of what helps the firstborn is to make sure that you are in alignment with God who is light. Any firstborn that misses God will never, never reach his or her potential. It doesn't matter what you become. If like become head of state, there is more you could have been that you won't be. So that's what happens. There is no curse on the firstborn. The other thing that destroys firstborn is what you call parental disharmony. You know, when a firstborn begins to fight, a firstborn girl begins to fight her mother or a firstborn son begins to fight his father, you will not know the, demon, the name of the demon that is worrying you. I mean, you will suffer terribly that you can't explain what is happening to you. Because how are you going to succeed someone that you are not in good terms with? Look at what happened to Reuben. How will Reuben succeed Jacob when you already started, you know, <laughs> competing with your father? So he said, hey, my firstborn, you went to my bed. No, 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 you, you go nowhere with that. You don't. So it is an abomination. It should not happen 
that a firstborn son is quarreling with his father, there should be immediate reconciliation. Or a firstborn daughter is at loggerheads with her mother, it should not be done. Look at Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn of God, and he's the pattern for all firstborns. He said, I am my father, our one. I can do nothing without my father. As a, whatever I, I see my father do, that's what I do. So a very close follower of the father. So that's what, that's how it ought to, it ought to be. So there is no curse on firstborns. Firstborns do well of... Um, in days of uh, uh, Boris Johnson, uh, I think there were about uh, the United Kingdom had 55 prime ministers. 19 of those were firstborns, either first child or only child. Firstborns. In the days of Trump, you know, you had also um, 45 presidents, and I said 17 of them were firstborns. If there is something wrong with the firstborn positions, you would, you would not see a firstborn become a, a, a president of a nation. It's, we see it um, every, everywhere. So, like we said, there are different kinds of firstborns, but, you know, so much depends on whether the kingdom of God has your attention or the kingdom of darkness, you know, you know captured. I could talk about, you know, firstborns who act like darkness. They do not move, and they are not helping others to move. See, I don't know what is happening to our elder brother. He's just there. He's not moving. He's not allowing anybody to move. You know, those are firstborns taking the place of darkness. You're not helping anything, and you're not helping anybody. There are firstborns who act like waiters. They are pessimistic. They are pessimists. They lack initiative. It's not that they are intelligent, but the courage to just move. They wait and wait. You know, you just wait. You don't know what the problem is. And you have firstborns who are neither here nor there. And then you have firstborns who are bold and aggressive initiators. That's what God has in mind. Let there be light. And there was light. And as soon as light came, darkness moved away. God wants firstborns who are they don't have to be noisy but these are they don't they, they don't wait for things to happen they make things to happen you don't wait for darkness to go away before you shine let there be light and then there was light and then you know darkness was rolled away so um now <clears throat> so we I want to give a few tips on how uh, parents uh, should help firstborns and how firstborns should live their lives. You see, there is a very strong protection where the firstborn is. Or, you know, the, the only child is also a firstborn. So when talking about the firstborn, we must know that an only child is also a firstborn. It is not a curse to be an only child in a family. Have you looked at books of the Bible? Some, it's not every chapter, every book of the Bible that has many chapters. There are books in the Bible that have only one chapter. Obadiah, there are five books of the Bible that have only one chapter. Obadiah, <laughs> one chapter. Third John, one chapter. Second John, one chapter. Jude, one chapter. 
Philemon of one chapter. Why are, what are they doing? There's only one book in the Bible that has two chapters. Hey God. Why? But Psalm has 150 chapters. Jeremiah 52, Isaiah 66. So that is the same thing in families. Sometimes you come in, you see if an only child. Oh, my only daughter, my only son. It's not a curse. These are very strong leaders. Among the U.S. presidents and U.K. prime ministers and many leaders in many parts of the world, you have the only child is there. And can I tell you something about the only child? There's a great protection that is an only child. Have you looked at the four cases of people that Jesus raised from the dead? They were only children. The widow of Zarephath, the only child. And God will not let that only child to go. The Shunammite woman, only child. Lazarus, only son. Jairus' daughter, the only. So, even though he's only one, God does not despise that. He will not let an only child just go like that where there is intervention. He will not let an only child go just like that. So, you know, I had to, <laughs> God showed me the first, this, you know, in, um, I was going to pray to raise a dead child and we prayed and um, the child didn't come back to life. So I began to ask God, you know, why, what happened and all that. So among the things he taught me, he said, I want you to look at the word of God to see who I raised from the dead. And that was one of the things I asked, okay, look at these cases, look at this case. He said, you have to have a reason to raise the dead. There has to be a reason. It's not enough that, oh, we don't want to lose our brother, we don't want to lose our father. It's not enough. Now, that is not a doctrine that is only the only child that has to be raised, but that was, in my own case, that was something that God wanted to teach me. But there is something I want to say, that I'm, something I'm trying to say from there is that there is a special protection upon the only child. When Jesus raised a, somebody in Luke chapter 7, the only son of a widow, and they were carrying him to go and bury, and he said, no, 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 young man, come down. And he was raised. So there is a special protection. It's not a curse to have one child or to have children. It's not about the number of children. Every family has its purpose. When you see the size of a family, you have an idea why they exist and why what is happening is happening. So, but here are a few things I'd like to say to the firstborn. And um, I'd like to say that to the firstborn. Um, but let me, before I go into that, I'd like to, instead of talking about an only child, I'd like to talk about an all-in-one child. An only child is an all in white. It's like having all your basket, all your eggs in one basket. So an only child, what you call an only child, I will call an all in one child. That's what it is really. You know, God so loved the son that he gave his only begotten son. And that son is everything he has. You know, so I talked about the firstborns and delays. Many times you see the delay also coming in the area of romance. The delay comes in the area of romance and um, 
the firstborn has a challenge picking who the child, who the partner is, and all that. And uh, many times they can make many mistakes, you know, um, in this area. So this is where parents need to um, be of a great help. And I would say, if you are a firstborn, <clears throat> if you are a firstborn, I would advise, I will advise, do not marry another firstborn. Science, you know, researches also support this, that firstborns, a firstborn is an authority figure. And so when one firstborn marries another firstborn, you have two authority figures coming. The only thing that saves the home is that one person has to start playing the role of a middle child or the role of a thirdborn or something like that. But it's not very easy. You can research that too, that it's it's not very it's not a very easy thing. You know, to have people of same bed or that position marrying a second child to a second child, a third child to a third child, a fourth child to this and, you know, all that. It's not something that says, hey, we are both trade bonds. That means we can marry. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to. Now, again, this is not a rule, but it's just something to say, hey, hey watch out. You know, a firstborn um, may not be the best for another first, firstborn. Okay, just wanted to, you know, chip in, chip in that. And um, so let me give a few things about how the firstborn should live um, in trying to cap up. Uh, how should a firstborn live? Before I talk about how should the firstborn, I'd like to take you back and remind you what we said about the firstborns. Firstborns are designed to be door openers, trailblazers, initiators, innovators, and game changers. Firstborns are ordained to be anti-darkness. They are designed to walk against spiritual darkness, mental darkness, moral darkness, and social darkness. That's why, you know, it's about their purpose. Firstborns are designed to be exemplary leaders, exemplary leader teachers, enlighteners, and judges of the earth. You know, firstborns are designed to be heirs of the earth. The first is the heir. Firstborns are designed to express light, the light nature of God. Light is the firstborn of the creator. Firstborns are designed to be dedicated to God. God has a special claim over every firstborn. The first is God's because God is first. The firstborn is designed to express God's work on the first day of creation. Um, so... The firstborn should be unstoppable. That's the nature of the firstborn, just like light is unstoppable. A firstborn has no problem. If you see a problem, just tell yourself, I came to solve this problem. Darkness is never a problem to light. The firstborn is brilliant. The firstborns are noiseless. Firstborns are influential. They are swift responders, and they respect boundaries. So how should firstborns operate. They should be bold and brave because you are the opener of the womb. You are the trailblazer. They should stand out and take clear stand in matters. You shouldn't stand be, 
you know, between stand on the fence. When God created on the first day, he separated light from darkness. So the stand of every firstborn should be clear. When you have something, make a clear decision. No, I'm not going to be available. No, I'm not for this. Or yes, and they say, not, no, no, no. Many times firstborns don't do that. They, are, they take a clear stand. They're truthful and they are honest. Should not give in to depression. Light is antidepressant. Should be helpful difference makers. They should be focused. Adam was not focused. Cain was not focused. Esau was not focused. Reuben was not focused. Samson was not focused. King Saul was not focused. Absalom was not focused. Adonijah was not focused. But Samuel was focused. John the Baptist was focused. And Jesus of Nazareth was focused. So the firstborn should be focused. The problems that many firstborns have, you know, fear and insecurity, fear of losing position to younger siblings, fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of criticism. In the name of Jesus, the firstborn should be delivered from all this. The second reason for failure is dishonor to parent of same gender. A, a son rebelling against his father or a, a daughter rebelling against mother, indecision and procrastination. Cooperation with darkness, impatience, tendency to give up after a while. The firstborn should endure. Distractions, Esau and Reuben were distracted. So, one thing I would, you know, as, as I round off here, is to encourage the firstborn. If you want to understand what your what this position is about from the scriptures, I would say read the first day of creation narrative, Genesis chapter 1, from verse 1 to verse 5. That's where you belong. John the Baptist found out from the word that he is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So the key to understand the firstborn is to, I mean, is in the first day of creation account. Read the first book of the Bible as if you're going to write an examination on it. Why did people fail in the book of Genesis? What was the problem? Adam failed because he had a disagreement with the leader, with his creator, maker. It's difficult to prosper when you are not walking in line with your maker. And then the first chapters of the Bible are key to understanding the first uh, born position. And um, so this is what I would like to share with you. And I believe that um, with the help of God, you will prosper and you will be who God made you to be and you will fulfill God's purpose for your life. I want you to make this declaration after me and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare that I am an embodiment of light. I share the light nature of the firstborn of God. I am light. I have no partnership with darkness. I came to drive darkness away from my family and from my generation and to show everyone the way and to show everyone the way. I confess that I am a model. I am creative. Therefore, every darkness on my way, 
and in the way of my family must give way. I shall not bow or cooperate with darkness. My family shall not live in darkness. My generation shall not live in darkness because I came to lead them out. Let there be light. Amen.